Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 168 of the Naturally Nourished podcast with today's topic, Normalize Keto. I hope to cover how keto is not a radical approach and really how the ketogenic movement is here to stay, but I will also be going into how the metabolic state of ketosis is necessary for survival and how it enhances quality of life and whole body health via the neurological, inflammatory, and metabolic benefits. I'm going to also try to fit in a little bit of an impact on the polarity within wellness culture and the ketogenic diet and what things aren't aligning there, as well as some of the polarity or conflicts within the keto community. So we can move into 2020 in a cohesive space to really make radical change in the medical field using food as medicine. I am super excited about this episode because I think we get asked all the time, is keto a fad? Do you think it's going to be quote unquote out in 2020? And I'm already seeing like magazine covers and things like that, predicting whether it's the new thing or the old thing. Um, So I'm super excited to dive into today's content, but let's just give listeners some quick updates. What's going on in your world? Oh, just all of the holiday fun. (laughs) This year's been such a blast with Miss Stella. You know, three and a half is an awesome year of experiencing magic. And um, just from everything, from the lights to the Santa stuff to everything, it's been fun. And I am pre-recording this, of course, as you know. So hopefully on the day this releases, which is December 22nd, Becky and I will both be taking a little two-week hiatus during the holiday season to put our feet up, connect with family, do all the things, and then rock and roll into the new year. So I'm already mentally and emotionally getting charged into 2020 resolution time. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yes. So I want to share with you guys, um, you know, we're going to go into, like I said, some of the science and strategy, of course, of nutritional ketosis, but pretty soon you'll be seeing us on Instagram and social media doing our 10 day countdown. What's the date Becky of the first keto class of this new 2020 food as medicine, virtual 12 week program. It's a Wednesday, right? It's a Wednesday this time around. We're kind of still playing with what date and time works best for our participants, but it's a Wednesday, January 8th. And we'll be doing this live over the lunch hour every other Wednesday, starting on January 8th. But of course, if you can't tune in live, we do record all of the classes and they'll be uploaded. I'm sure by that evening, if not even sooner, since you won't have to put Stella down right after class. Yes. So we're saying uh, 1130 until one, right? As the block with really the majority of the class being 1130 to 1230 as the goal, but leaving that buffer because I I tend to... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? 
long-winded <laughs> terms. And as we're seeing with all these episodes, trying to cap at the hour part. Um, so yes, so I think it's 1130 until one, it might be 12 until 130. We'll let you guys know. Of course, you can go on over to AllieMillerRD.com. Uh, you can, uh, that's slash ketosis hyphen class, or you can search it under books and programs, um, in the ketosis class. We are filling up membership. I believe we're over at over 60 participants at this point, and we're letting 150 in. So don't wait until that week of, you know, new year's to make your position of getting a space within the class. Make sure you grab it now. There will not be any promo discounts or anything. So you're not missing out on anything. Just lock it in, get your spot. Because as you'll learn today, our approach to keto really has a functional medicine and food as medicine emphasis, and that's what makes it really unique. And the ability to really, I believe, be open-minded and to evolve to incorporating varied botanical compounds, different structural components, balancing your macros, and ultimately empowering you guys to listen to the voice of your own body and then understand what to do with that feedback is really where I think this program is heads up above what's out there. Yes. And because it's been several months since we've run this class, this one is sure to fill up. I think we cut off, did we end in September of yeah. 2019? Okay. We yep. were nice to ourselves because of the launch yep. of Adrenal Rehab. Yep. We wanted to allow ourselves a little bit of that reset, you know, um, and, and usually we do a course into December. So we allowed that lat, that, that, fourth quarter, we did not do a course. So this one will definitely be gangbusters ready to rock and roll. Yes. And we'll have lots and lots of updates as it's been a little while, you know, things are always changing. New science is always coming out. So we really strive to keep this program on top of it. And that's why it's fresh every time that we do it. Um, let's remind listeners of some past episodes on keto. If they're wanting to dive a little bit deeper, hear more about what we do in this program and just get a little bit more background. Yeah. So I would lead with 99 and 100 episode number 99 and 100 ketosis as medicine and five ways to optimize your keto. So those were done a while back now, goodness gracious, being at episode 168, um, but fantastic episodes that provide a lot of research, especially in the ketosis as medicine. That's one that you want to check the show notes for a lot of the links mentioned. I would also go over and check out episode 118, Real Food Keto and Natural Sweeteners. That's where I go on my soapbox about why I hate non-caloric sweeteners, the impacts on the microbiome, on GLP taste receptors in the tongue, and the impact on insulin, and really how we need to evolve the ketogenic movement into eating whole real foods. Then episode 121 is on keto and women's hormones, so that really digs into things like leptin, and carb cycling. Ooh, and we missed that one really. Episode 75. Oh yeah. That number is burned into my brain. I swear. <laughs> episode 75, I think it's called like all about carb cycling or carb cycling 101. That's another great one to listen to. And then the last one I would say is uh, 153, all about metabolic flexibility and the new age of keto. So that's a more recent one, of course. If you've missed that, that's a great one to hit where I talk about things like allostatic load, really starting to, again, tune into your own body as the driver so that you're not following any one influencer's protocol or, you know, that's what's really unique again about my 12-week program is Becky and I are here as guides to provide you kind of a choose-your-own-adventure and to empower you with tools and information about how to own your ketogenic approach. 
And then something else we'll be doing a little bit differently this time around, I believe, don't quote me on this listeners, but by the time this episode airs, we'll have details nailed down of a kind of free 101 webinar of getting you guys into just the the general kind of baseline um, concepts of what is ketosis. And this will be, you know, it's kind of on the tails of the success of our free detox webinar, a kickoff that allows us all to come to the program on a more common ground of entry point, understanding the bare bones basics of what keto is, and just getting a small taste of what the program is all about without having to sign up and register. And you're going to want to sign up and register once you watch yeah. this. So stay tuned <laughs> for that. Definitely. Yeah. So before we jump into today's topic, let's have a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Harper and Soul Provisions. Yes. So Harper and Soul makes amazing, amazing fat-fueled, nutrient-rich, savory, and lightly sweetened granolas, or more like nutnolas, I think we like to call them. They are made with whole real food ingredients and fresh scratch-made spices. They're non-GMO, free of gluten, grains, dairy, soy, corn, highly processed oils, and refined sugars. And they come in these awesome, really kind of heady, cool, next level flavors like cardamom coconut, rosemary maple, ginger snap, and turmeric cracked pepper, which I think is my favorite as it's kind of the most savory of the bunch. They use... That is too. I really dig that. Okay. I've okay. that on a lot of salads and it's been fantastic. And I love that they use egg white to bind their flavor so that it adds some protein in there, which is always great for fueling a toddler that you want to keep fat fueled. And I love that the sweetener of choice provides only two to three grams of added sugar per serving. And it's only from organic small batch Vermont maple syrup. So what was super cool is that I was able to consume Harper and Soul Provisions blends during my 10-day detox. (laughs) So you get that crunchy, salty, anti-inflammatory snack that will balance blood sugar levels, boost your brain. And I think the complexity of the flavor profile works for all palates, you know, all household members and ages. And, you know, big thing I would say as a shout out is that it's keto friendly, it's anti-anxiety diet approved, all flavors so far, and my 10-day real food detox friendly. So there aren't many snacks and foods that fit into all three of those categories. Go on over to harperandsoulprovisions.com and you can use the code AllieMillerRD. When you put that in your cart, you will save 15% on all orders of two or more bags. And once you do that, you're going to want to consider subscribing because these things are delicious. Again, it's harperandsoulprovisions.com, code AllieMillerRD. Okay, so before we actually get into all things keto and normalize keto today, um, let's just give listeners a little bit of a recap on the 10-day detox that we're wrapping up. Yes. So actually I am speaking to you at day eight uh-huh. of 10-day real food detox. And I have to say, I feel amazing. I, I'm I'm finally feeling a little bit of like that uh, sulfur um, sensation within my body. I don't know if that resonates with you, Becky, but I can like feel it in my skin and in my like larger macro muscles where I'm, I'm just feeling in a positive way, less bloated. I'm feeling uh, a little bit more trimmed or thin, especially in the waist area. And what's been really interesting is that 
I think passively, it's so funny because we'll talk about, of course, keto and carnivore and whatnot, but I think passively, maybe just because this has been a really busy season and whatnot, I haven't been eating as many vegetables or to the volume of vegetables that I had been in, you know, past years, past months, past seasons. And so this 10 day detox has really given me the opportunity to fall in love with vegetables again. And I, I think that for whatever reason, maybe there's been like some passive influence of some like guilt or the like, you know, carnivore culture of vegetable shaming that I've reduced my veg intake. And my body feels really amazing when I eat more vegetables. And I've also during this 10 day detox, because it's been the holiday season, I've been a lot more liberalized on carbohydrates. I'm interested to hear in a moment what you did there, Becky, but I've probably averaged like 60 grams of carbs. I was on my carb cycling window of my menstrual cycle during this cleanse. So that ha handed out really well as well, where, um, two nights ago, Brady made me, um, fresh mango, which I don't think I remember the last time I've had fresh mango, honestly. No, um, but I used to buy them all the time. But, oh no, yeah. right. So, uh, Brady cut up some fresh mango and, um, we had, uh, cardamom coconut milk. And then actually we did, we topped it with the Harper and soul cardamom coconut. Yum. And it was so dreamy. Um, so that was just like a really fantastic indulgence and I've not felt deprived one moment. Um, I've really been really proud of myself in the sense that this is the time of the holiday season when I would drink a, a lot more wine. Um, and you know, I, I don't think that I, I ever go hog wild in the sense of like, I wouldn't be eating gluten or highly refined sugar, but I may be making like, you know, more, a little bit of, of fringe foods and what have you. And, um, I've just felt really amazing sauteed cabbage leaves. I've been doing a lot of, I've been, you know, to the level of, in my curries, a lot of warming foods this time around, because, you know, it's not, it's different than like a summer 10 day detox when I'm doing it in the winter months, um, cutting my stems of my cilantro, which I've gotten into the habit of discarding, but incorporating those, you know, cooked down into a curry and doing red cabbage, uh, leaves chopped up as like a noodle base in bowls. And, um, yeah, it's been feeling really awesome. One thing I want to call out to listeners, because I've been getting a lot of, you know, like DM questions and whatnot, and, and it's been really fun. We've had uh, 400 of you participated in the live class, and I know we have over 300 of you actively doing the detox, which is amazing. And I keep getting great feedback about people's skin clearing, weight loss, um, digestive improvement, and uh, less inflammation, to name a few positive feedback messages I've received. But I want to call out on the days that are more limited in protein. So these are where we hit really on days five through eight. So five, six, and seven and eight. Um, traditionally, I had limited protein in the protocol because you want to get some catabolism. You know, you want the branch chain amino acids and the sulfur containing compounds from your protein. And that's really coming in from that phase two detox support and the grass fed whey. And so what I've done for those four days is I've incorporated one scoop a day of the grass-fed whey, two to three eggs, and then about five to six uh, ounces of wild fish. And um, now as we go into day eight evening, this will be my last evening of fish. And then nine, I'm really craving beef. That's my biggest craving yeah, right too. now. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be bringing back in the beef. Um, but that's a little modification. And as I've gone through this time, I know that that means that there'll be some updates in the detox ebook as well. So if you have yet to purchase it, wait to purchase it till the new year because Becky and I are doing a big 
master think tank week this week. And um, I think that'll birth a 2.0 protocol for sure. Totally. And if you've done the detox and have feedback on something that didn't make sense or um, something that was confusing or something we could do better, I don't want to say to DM it to you, Allie, but I guess <laughs> that's probably um, the best way. <laughs> Yes, definitely. For us to receive that feedback. Yeah. How was your experience this time around, Becky? So I really miss coffee today. Um, uh, but I know I will be having like a delicious pour over actually in your kitchen will be the first day I'm allowed to have coffee on Wednesday. Is that probably right? the best place to do it with uh-huh. Brady Miller? Yep. Yep. So I've been doing matcha and um, Byron brings me my matcha latte now every morning during the detox. But I don't think I've instructed him on the exact ratios. So it's been like kind of like thick and muddy and a little weird. Um, We're going to have to remake it a few hours later. But other than that, um, no complaints. I love much. I like getting back into that habit for sure. Um, And that's something I'll probably keep in as like an early afternoon if I feel like I need a little bit more of a caffeine hit or trying to sub my coffee for a matcha latte a couple of times a week. But I'll be very excited to bring coffee back in. Um, and then wine has been just something I've missed. Um, we were noticing that we were kind of doing it every single night going to the detox. So it's been a really nice reset. And I did actually allow myself a glass of wine, I think on day five of the detox, because I had a Christmas cookie swap, which obviously I'm not going to indulge in the cookie part. Um, and another holiday party to go to back to back. And I'm like, I can't get myself out of the house for these events without like something. So I allowed one glass. I was very proud of myself to stick to one glass of red wine. Um, and so I'm going to skip wine, even though technically I could do it starting days. What is it? Nine and 10. We allow it. I'll at least skip wine tonight. No promises when I get to Austin. (laughs) And what were your positives? So, Uh, okay, come on. (laughs) Um, One thing that I really enjoyed doing is um, liberalizing the carbs a little bit. So I made, uh, with the intention of bringing them to this cookie swap, I made these um, gingerbread date balls. So yeah. they incorporate like ground. Yeah. I put them up on the blog cause they were really good. Um, and they didn't make it to the cookie swap cause Byron was like, well, can we keep these and you make them something else? Um, I it's- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I ended up making our, um, gingerbread molasses cookies, um, awesome. and bringing those, which are also amazing and have a really good texture. And I won most, um, original, cookie, which just means they were the weirdest, but I've been enjoying a little bit higher carb with like the dates. Uh, we've been doing some fresh pomegranate seeds, which has been really nice. I kind of forgot about those, um, sprinkled them in over Thanksgiving, but just doing them as like a, a snack or after dinner kind of thing. Um, we've been incorporating a little bit of persimmon too, which is a really fun fruit that again, I kind of forgot about as well. And, um, definitely like the veg part too. I'd agree, like incorporating more salads and slaws. I've been loving doing kale chips during this as well. And that's another thing that just kind of fell off my radar at some point. Totally. 
And, um, you know, I think one of the biggest things that I experienced, which was wild was again, that listening to my body and being a little bit more open and fluid. So beyond, like I said, the, the planned two days of carb cycling for my menstrual cycle, just kind of liberalizing carbs throughout and being really intuitive and my body's responded really favorably. I don't know about you, but I didn't have any of like the classic like blood sugar highs. Um, I ended up taking a ketone blood read and was still at like a 1.2 um, midway through one day. So I think that when the liver, someone else actually messaged me and they were like, uh, my ketones never get above a one and they're at a 2.5 and I feel a little bit wiry. And I was like, yeah, your liver, you're optimizing your liver's function, you know, and your liver through beta oxidation makes the process of ketone production. So that would make good sense, you know, that you're actually more wired metabolically and that allows a little bit more of that give and flexibility. So again, just kind of breaking that doctrine and being mindful and connected to my body, I've noticed a lot of freedom in that sense. And now when I finish the detox, I do plan on pulling those fruits back out, but it was just like a really nice gentle reset where it's like, I think I did get maybe a little bit of a water flush and a, and a, and a ring out because like I said, I do feel better in the way that pants are fitting and I never felt the experience of hunger and I never felt the experience of an elevated blood sugar level. So I think win, win, win. Awesome. So yes, yeah, stay tuned for updates on the protocol and we'll let you guys know when that is ready and available, but I'm sure by the new year for sure. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I was laughing. I was, I was looking at the original, original Becky and, you know, before I even had it as reset your metabolism, restore your digestive health and renew your cellular health. That one was launched in 2014. <laughs> um, but the prior protocol that I used in like 2009 and going up, that was like before whole 30 even existed. I don't know what year whole 30 came out, what would have been like probably 2012. Well, it's Googleable, but whatever. But it's so funny because it's like remove corn. And I remember these steps were so radical for, for mm -hmm. at the time. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm like, oh, well, like some of those things are just totally assumed, you know? So it's just, it's, it's a funny thing. Things right. evolve, yep. change. So. Yeah. Yes. And, and I think a lot of clients have given me that feedback of like, I really didn't have to like make that many changes in terms of what was removed from the diet. And I'm like, that's a good thing. Just focus right. on, you know, the abundance and, and see how you feel with, you know, adding back more of the cruciferous veggies and all the things. Apple cider vinegar, liver sugar. Yes. There's definitely a lot of the Epsom salt baths. There's so many therapeutic add-ons in the abundance world of things. And I think that's really where it lies. If you're already eating, you know, a clean paleo diet and an anti-inflammatory approach at that, but you will always learn something new every time you do a 10 day detox. And um, I mean, I just continue to evolve every time I do it. There's something I keep in and something I push out. All right. Awesome. So speaking of something else, maybe not so radical, um, let's talk about normalizing keto. So first I just want to kick off with talking a little bit about kind of the ancestral or adaptive use of ketones and how the human body actually is meant to run on ketones. Yes. So, I mean, a little 101, right? <laughs> the body makes ketones in absence of food intake, right? Or in absence of carbohydrate intake or without being taxed excessively with carbohydrates is maybe a better way of saying it. Um, and so when we think back to like hunter gatherer days, uh, before there was agriculture and, you know, farming scarcity was very common. There was of course, when you couldn't gather produce, which was really the only sources. Um, and these are like fresh 
very low carbohydrate foods. We're talking about like wild berries and roots and barks and such. And, and some of that, you know, none of that was high carb in the first place. And so most people were thriving primarily on ketones. And then especially when they were dealing with food scarcity or not having access to food. That's the only way that the human body has survived. So when carbohydrate intake, remember carbohydrates break down to glucose. And so when glucose levels come down in the absence of carbohydrates, the body makes ketones. And even in today's you know modernized society where we're carbohydrate taxed, in fact, can you believe that the average, I had to Google this, the average carb intake right now is at 325 grams daily. <laughs> That's insane. We're That's sitting horrifying. here talking about like, oh, during my detox, I had a quarter of a mango. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me, I'm being sassy. Uh, I think it's so hilarious to still, I mean, we're in this, this um, kind of tunnel vision world where that level of carb intake is, is non-existent, you know, but 325 grams daily. And I mean, that blows my mind where, when, when we're talking about flexibility and carb cycling, we're maxing always generally speaking around 120. So less than, you know, a third ish of that, that norm. And that's not even a high carb. That's the average carb intake. Um, so when we think about, survival and ancestral shifts. We can also think about, you know, fetal development and pregnancy. And we talk about this a lot in the episode on um, keto and pregnancy. And, um, you know, a, a pregnant woman is three times more likely to produce ketones than a non-pregnant female. And it's estimated that 30% of fetal energy is derived from ketones. So ketones are used by the growing fetus to synthesize a variety of different cerebral lipids. And this plays a big role in why ketosis may be more common in the third trimester. And remember, that's also the trimester where we really emphasize a little bit more carbohydrate restriction because it's the first trimester, that the end of the first trimester going into the second, like around week 10, when insulin levels go up because the body is trying to be anabolic in a building mode. And this is where a lot of pregnant women will deal with like carb cravings. And that's because they're dropping their blood sugar. They're going hypoglycemic from those insulin peaks. And so it's, it's reasonable, I always say, to be a little bit more flexible with your diet more low glycemic in the beginning of your pregnancy. If you've been keto and you get pregnant and you're craving an apple, go for that darn apple, but just have it with almond butter. Um, but then as you get into that third trimester, that's when then we kind of ranch down and, and bring down the carb intake to prevent gestational diabetes, macrosomia, and so much more. But regardless of the diet of the female, in utero, babies use ketones as a survival mechanism, 30% of their energy. And then breast milk itself produces ketones. All purely exclusively breastfed babies are in a state of nutritional ketosis. So it's not that novel and it's not that weird to be in ketosis. Totally. <laughs> okay. And then for kind of coming from the standard American diet or really anyone eating a westernized diet, not only are they losing out on that production of ketones, but if we're talking 325 plus grams of carbs per day, they're also going to be burdened with irregular blood sugar levels. Oh, absolutely. And remember, as blood sugar levels go up, 
They are chased by insulin and insulin, as I was mentioning, being anabolic as a hormone in growth and development for a baby in a person that is not pregnant or carrying a child, excess insulin only drives fat storage, right? And so with that body fat storage comes an undesirable lipid panel. We get more of those small particles of LDLs. We get more triglyceride elevation. We get more inflammation in the body. So we see CRP tending to trend with more of those that have elevated blood sugar levels. Uh, We also see, of course, metabolic issues with increased body fat. That means insulin resistance. So the body tries to put up more insulin. And um, we can see elevations of a hemoglobin A1C, which is a three-month average of your blood sugar levels, to be drivers of mood disturbances. So it's anywhere from anxiety, depression, and then cognitive decline, right? We're calling, as we've talked about in past episodes, we're seeing that you know an elevated A1C is a big driver of early onset of dementia, and we're calling Alzheimer's disease you know type three diabetes. So it's really disheartening. It it, it it irks me. I mean, the fact that why wouldn't everyone want balanced, lower blood sugar levels, reduced inflammation, and also get the benefit of which we'll speak to in a moment, right? these ketones. So it's it's a disservice that we're taxing the body, metabolically speaking, with excess blood sugar level hit, and then we're not allowing the body to any more function as a hybrid using both ketones and glucose as its fuel source. Totally. And then, you know, making keto kind of the, the odd one out or the weird thing out and normalizing, you know, a primarily glucose-fueled metabolism. Diet. Yep. Pretty much. That's what's happening. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so I know we've hit on this concept in a lot of episodes, but I know you deliver it a little bit differently every single time. So let's just talk about the magic of ketones. What exactly are they and why do we want them? So, okay. So ketones are produced, as I mentioned with our detox speak, right? Primarily in the mitochondria, which are the energy factories in our cells in the liver. And, um, we basically break down fatty acids, um, in beta oxidation to form acetyl CoA and in conditions of lower carbohydrate intake, the body then produces ketone bodies through this process. And it uses the same process, HMG-CoA in the liver, but it, which is the same process, I'm sorry, of cholesterol formation. So statin drugs, remember, work on HMG-CoA reductase enzyme pathway. But to call out, there is a different synthesis pathway of cholesterol. It's compartmentalized, varied than where ketone bodies are made. Um, But again, when you're supporting the liver, the liver actually becomes more efficient at producing ketones. So another thing that we haven't really brought to light, I feel, in conversation of hindrance of getting fat adapted or of using fat as fuel, we've talked about the ketogenic diet being a tool to heal fatty liver, right? But we haven't talked about liver support to enhance ketone production. And I think that that's something that I really want to kind of highlight in today's episode for individuals that have been struggling. We've emphasized also carnitine, um, and carnitine is essential for the transfer of long-chain fatty acids to really cross into the mitochondria to go through that process of ketone production. And this is where I'm a bigger fan of like our boost and burn supplement. 
which has L-carnitine in two grams per dosage with ribose. So it's working specifically to enhance that energy production and ketone production as opposed to using exogenous ketones or, you know, BHB in a formula and just getting that circulating in the system. We want to drive the process. So, you know, give more of the building blocks or a little bit more upstream. Um, but BHB essentially is beta-hydroxybutyrate, right? And that's a ketone body. Um, we release ketones in, you know, our breath and our urine, and also it circulates through our blood in varied forms. And um, the BHB that we see in our blood is more efficient fuel source than glucose. It provides more energy per unit um, of oxygen use. So there's less, and the simple way to say that is there's less oxidative stress with the use of ketones as fuel as opposed to glucose. And then there's some really cool stuff beyond enhancing the mitochondria, which are these, again, energy factories in the body. We see that to influence mitochondria beyond those cells in the liver that make the ketones, we see an overall enhanced function of energy production. So there's less oxidative stress, but we see an enhancement in the mitochondria in the brain when the body is making ketones. Um, in fact, there was a recent study that found an enhanced expression of genes encoding for en mitochondrial enzymes in energy metabolism in the hippocampus, which is the part of the brain that is important for learning and memory. So we see hippocampal cells that get degenerated or broken down with age-related um, cognitive decline or memory loss. And this is one way that could really enhance energy reserves and could really aid a role with neurological function. So ketones not only working as kind of cleaner burning fuel, but also having a lot of potential benefit in cognitive decline and memory loss and Alzheimer's and all of those things. Yes. And I mean, there, there's just study after study. So beyond the ability to stabilize and enhance mitochondria and that, and even on an enzyme level of mitochondria production, that's super cool. Um, so I haven't always, I, that was a new thing that I found. I'll link in the show notes today. Um, less oxidative stress, as I said, enhanced energy metabolism. And then we also tend to see um, an influence with the higher fat in the diet. So there's always these compounding influences, right? So the high fat nature itself is going to reduce oxidative stress to the body and can help to really work as brain fuel, knowing that the brain is predominantly fat in its composition. And as we talked about, a lot of people being cholesterol starved, you get that boost from a food as medicine keto approach. And then with our emphasis with more food as medicine, we really look to bring in things like the EPA DHA extra, which is our omega-3 fatty acid supplement that has two grams you know, of EPA and DHA combined in two capsules, which is going to further enhance the brain boosting effects. Okay. Awesome. And then let's talk a little bit beyond inflammation and blood sugar other mechanisms of neurological impact and just kind of remind listeners why the anti-anxiety diet starts with a ketogenic approach. Yeah. So 
As we've talked in episodes now on neurotransmitters, there are the excitatory, which are stimulants, and then there are the inhibitory, which are mellower outers, right? So the influence directly with keto is on the balance of glutamate, which is excitatory. In fact, we've seen in studies that elevations of glutamate can drive stroke, seizures, neurodegeneration, and overall really excitotoxicity. And, and this is where we think of MSG, right, as an excitotoxin, which is monosodium glutaminate. Um, that's in like the Chinese food syndrome, if you will, which can cause uh, migraine headaches, ADHD, and hyperactivity, right? So we see that ketones are able to pretty much play a role with glutamate and GABA balance. Um, they actually are able to increase GABA, which is that mellow out compound in the synapses, which is where neurotransmitters are released. And it's able to balance out or offset the scale of excess glutamate. And then we've seen that ketones actually can directly inhibit the neuron in the brain's ability to load up on glutamate. So it's both like a, a blocker for excess glutamate circulation to hit this receptor sites. And then it also enhances the production and signaling of GABA. So it works as like a referee <laughs> to balance out the mellow and chill. Um, and so this is where we can see a very grounding, mood-stabilizing effect of the ketogenic diet. And this is the foundation of you know, why it's been used since the 1920s to manage epilepsy because of that bodyguard effect on the excitatory glutamate and then the upregulation on GABA. And there's one other element that can be put into play within this, which is the acidity of ketones. And, and we'll talk about, of course, ketoacidosis non being concerning, but, but there was a new thing I saw um, when I was digging for research for this as well on uh, bipolar type 2 disorder where they've found that the acidity of ketones can actually decrease the pH of certain brain microdomains and that that could have a further mood stabilizing effect. Okay. Super interesting. I'm going to want to dig into whatever the new research there is. Um, and of course, beyond neurotransmitters, the other influencer on neurological health really ties into HPA access and regulatory function with leptin. Yes. So that element, what you're referring to there is that ketones cross the blood-brain barrier, right? So they're circulating through the blood. They cross the blood-brain barrier. They do all these cool things, like I just said, on the neurotransmitter level. But they also uh, dock to our hypothalamus, which is the H of the HPA axis. So the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal feedback that regulates our fight or flight, which is that sympathetic uh, stress response, or the parasympathetic rest, digest, reproduce, metabolize, regulatory function. And so when ketones cross the blood-brain barrier and they dock to our hypothalamus, they tend to enhance leptin signaling in our body. So leptin is a hormone that we used to really think of as only a signal of metabolism or a regulator of appetite intake. Um, in the Greek words, it, leptin translates to thin. And leptin hormone does tell the body that it's fed, and so it should reduce appetite. Now, leptin is produced from the small intestine in consumption of fat. When the individual eats a higher fat diet, the small intestine actually can signal that and upregulate leptin production. Um, and then also in the body's uh, use of fat as fuel endogenously. So when the body metabolizes its own fat stores and liberates that stored body fat, 
that's going to upregulate leptin. And as we've discussed in episode uh, 146 um, is an episode I put out there called Keto as a Hormetic Stressor and All About Leptin. This will help you nerd out a little bit deeper. Um, But leptin has so many other functions because not only does it dock in the hypothalamus, but it docks to our thyroid. There's thyroid receptors of leptin. There's ovarian receptors of leptin regulation. So it plays a role when optimized with our reproductive health, with our metabolic health, like again, with the thyroid gland influence there. And it, I've seen it even further as being kind of a signal of safety as opposed to just satiety. So when we get enhanced leptin, this also can be a mood stabilizer. And many people that start in a westernized diet with elevated blood sugar levels have leptin resistance. So I find the leptin element to be a big component of how people describe the quote unquote keto high. Totally. And then the the satiety factor too, and the like forgetting to eat because we're just not freedom. Hungry. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, freedom of obsessing about food. Totally. And- um, you know, not having to white knuckle your diet restriction or regimen is huge. It's liberating. Yeah. Um, and then beyond neurological um, function, just beyond mood and regulatory function, let's hit on a couple of recent studies. And yes, we're talking research studies, not observational or population survey based <laughs> research. Yes. What were we now? Two episodes back from the... Uh... The uh, game changers delight. Uh-huh. I can't even. I just got to stop right there. <laughs> so there was a double-blind placebo-controlled study um, on 152 patients with mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease. They were given either a ketogenic um, agent or a placebo. So they were actually, um, while maintaining a normal diet, so this is testing the effects of BHB, right, beta-hydroxybutyrate. So this was an, an exogenous ketone, like in a product, right? Um, but 90 days later, they saw those receiving the drug had marked cognitive improvement compared to the placebo, and that was correlated with the level of ketones in their blood. Uh, there was a pilot study done on individuals with Parkinson's disease. They showed after 28 days, marked reduction in their physical symptoms. They tested blood ketone levels, and this was a diet-mediated uh, clinical research study. So it wasn't double-blind. It was an intervention-based research study. But they were able to confirm the intake by testing ketones. So that's a really great way to ensure that you're actually testing for that compliance versus like a food survey, if you will. And that's what's so cool. I mean, there's study after study. Another study looked at elderly with mild cognitive impairment and showed that the ketogenic diet improved verbal memory performance after six weeks compared to the standard high carbohydrate diet. And in the past uh, episodes, I think it's the 99 that is uh, keto as medicine. There's just study after study after study going at neurological conditions, looking at infertility, looking at inflammatory conditions, looking at autoimmune conditions, looking at definitely metabolic conditions, including cardiovascular disease and diabetes. And what's so cool about the ketogenic diet that you can't do with any other diet is you can measure its impact. And what I mean by that is you are either making ketones or you aren't. Right. So you can't be cheating on the diet or doing something different than what you're saying on your forms that you fill out. And and Ryan Lowry talked about that a bit back on episode, I want to say 150, 150 something. I will link it in the show notes, but he digs in a little bit on current research in the sphere of keto as well. 
Yeah. And and I mean, aside from even on a research element as an individual, you know that you're making ketones. And so you're able to assess yourself. And that's where I really love kind of taking an approach of metabolic flexibility. And this is where you can lose the rigidity in the doctrine and you can just eat foods, but make sure that your body is still producing an amount of ketones. So you're getting this hybrid benefit of running on both ketones and glucose. Okay. So now that we know that keto is totally normal and, you know, that essential element of human survival, um, beyond that, you know, it's a big component for actually optimizing health and function. Um, so let's discuss how your approach to keto is different. Even for those who are already doing keto or already fat adapted, where can they up level? Yes. And then let's Becky, after this, talk a little bit, just in case people are joining us like now on the podcast about the metabolic effects of ketones. I didn't plan on going there, but let's just do that and talk about like, you know, muscle sparing and all that stuff. Sure. Um, or should we just do that now? Go ahead. Have at it. You no. asked your own question. <laughs> you know, and then I'll get to your question. I think it's important to note um, in the sense of, you know, beyond the neurological conditions for everyone, the reason why the ketogenic diet has become so popular is because it is a successful tool in weight loss. So, you know, we did hit on the leptin element, which is satiety, which like I said, uh, the number one reason for falling off of a diet is hunger, right? Or, or food cravings. And so with the ketogenic diet, when you reduce that craving when your ghrelin hormone regulates and you optimize your leptin, you experience satiety for sometimes the first time in years. So it's a really big freedom element on the emotional level of cravings. Then there is actual metabolic impact. Like we know that when the body is producing ketones, there's a muscle sparing impact, which muscle is your most metabolically active tissue. So when you lose weight on the scale through a standard calorie restriction, you're often going to lose a lot of water and a lot of muscle. Now in the ketogenic diet, you do lose water, of course, especially in the beginning. That's a big whoosh because carbohydrates hold water in their, in their mass. Um, and so you lose a lot of that glycogen store and that water in the body, but but then your body starts to exhibit muscle sparing effects and you start to auto metabolize your body's fat stores as a fuel source of ketone production. So you can start to successfully incorporate tools like intermittent fasting, or you can start to do a calorie deficit diet without the hunger that you may experience without being in the state of ketosis and without the muscle wasting effects that you would experience in a standard calorie restricted diet. So when you retain your muscle mass through keto, you and, and potentially even gain muscle mass, which we've seen, um, then you actually maintain that metabolic tissue, which means that you don't have to maintain at a calorie restriction to keep that weight from regaining. If you lose muscle mass through your weight loss, then your metabolism at the end of your weight loss is going to be so compromised that you're likely going to rebound and regain. So that's a big dynamic benefit there. Is there something else? And then we talked about the blood sugar element. Anything else, Becky, you want to call out on like a mechanism of um, weight loss? I think the body composition thing is huge and and then just the satiety factor influencing weight loss. But I think we already hit that. Yeah. And just the freedom of not having blood sugar sure. low, yep. well, I would say, you know, historically following that like personal trainer diet of eating every three to four hours. Um, that's because when you're eating naked carbohydrates, which I would never recommend in any way, shape or form, like just a banana or whatever, you're eating that dynamic blood sugar spike followed by the blood sugar crash. And then you get hunger, 
hanger, all the stuff, <laughs> angry, hungry, hanger. Um, and then you eat again and you're on this blood sugar roller coaster. So the freedom of not eating because your body's able to use your reserves or that deep freezer of your body fat is an awesome component, which allows you to then also, I believe, make more qualitative food choices when available. Totally. I agree with that, especially, you know, um, at airports and when we're in situations where there is literally nothing else to eat, once you're fat adapted and you've been rocking this a while, you can just fast. Like that's always an option. Oh yeah. I feel like I was so much whinier and experienced so much more moodiness based on hanger when I was a vegan for Oh, me too. Me too. everywhere. <laughs> like forget it. Byron used to try to take me hiking and I'd be like, mm, I'm dizzy. I have to sit down and eat this apple right now. Oh my gosh. Okay. So now how my keto approach yes. is different than those that are out there. Um, so, you know, my biggest mantra that I bring to the table with this question is doctrine creates disconnect. And I, as I said earlier, I really feel that my virtual 12 week food as medicine ketosis program is the best because it teaches you how to connect with your body as the guide. So I'm providing you information. I'm providing you things to consider. I'm providing you mechanisms of drivers of imbalance within the body with a functional medicine approach and not dumbing it down because I want you to ultimately drive your well care. And I'm teaching you what to do about it. So I provide you access to labs, nutritional supplementation, and food as medicine strategy based on the feedback. And, you know, just as discussed with leptin, this is where I would implement if someone's running low leptin, like me personally and Becky, we would implement carb cycling. And that's a way, again, to break the doctrine of I am keto, but I'm eating a banana or I am keto, but I'm eating a cup of sweet potato to I am working with the metabolic rhythm of my body and I am focusing on optimizing my whole body health. And that means 90% of the time producing ketones. I love that. And like not having to be so rigidly tied to a diet as a defining attribute of who you are yeah. as a human. You don't have to be a keto person. You can just be a person who exactly. eats a certain way. Yeah. And that's where I always say, you know, there are no yes and no food lists. You know, um, that's one of my favorite memes that we did with the Batman slapping Robin. Um <laughs> that's not keto. He's like, no, this is a metabolic state, not a yes or no food list. Um, and so we talk about that all the time as well. You're using food as medicine. And in my approach to keto, that incorporates phytocompounds that are strategic antioxidants that have been shown in clinical studies for hundreds of, you know, hundreds of years of use, thousands of years of use of ancestral consumption. But hundreds of clinical studies that show impact on things like indole-3-carbinols impacting estrogen metabolism, which we know that in today's industrialized society, we are bombarded with estrogen mimicking compounds or endocrine disruptors, right? So we need these I3Cs. Um, talking about the impact of flaxseed and how that might be used to incorporate seed cycling to balance out your estrogen quotient. Emphasizing in our approach to gut health, bone broth and collagen and gelatin and how you can work these in as staples in your diet with other therapeutics. Like maybe you're going to do a gelatin gummy that incorporates elderberry during cold and flu season for your household. I empower you about 
things to work with to enhance your adrenal function. Like maybe you do need to cut out that caffeine, Becky, and <laughs> maybe in that matcha. Um, you know, so there's there's always um, different pieces of the puzzle, and you know, again, a lot of individualized support. And the big picture of how my keto is different is that it's whole food based. It does not allow non-caloric sweeteners, so we're not faking our palate with these, you know, uh, veiled compounds that are only maintaining a carbohydrate addiction. And it's strategic. It's strategic and well-grounded in science and research. Okay. So now that we've got all that down, let's dive in a little bit to some drama. Um, let's just discuss the polarity of the keto diet and where you sense that things have potential to go wrong or kind of crash and burn here. Yeah. So it's still in the wellness space. I think a like tread lightly, walk on eggshells topic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't tell you every time an article of mine goes out on mind, body green, I'm like, Oh gosh, (laughs) just wait. Um, because there's just some people that are just very blind to the concept of a balanced ketogenic diet. And they see it as this radical, overly restrictive, quote unquote, diet that is only, you know, eggs and bacon. And I would fight for both of those foods as health supporting foods any day. But I would say that, you know, it's also beyond the constructs of, of just that. Again, it's a ketogenic diet. My opinion is any diet that your body produces ketones under, correct? Like, yep. That's that's what that's it. (laughs) You can do food as medicine. You can incorporate phyto compounds. And I think that's what's just not seen enough. So I I think that, um, you know, we need to acknowledge that nutritional ketosis was the norm before we were taxed with excessive carbohydrates. So it's not a radical approach. And I was pleasantly surprised when I was looking at like anti-keto arguments. I was like, huh, where does the CDR sit on this? Um, With Becky and I both being dietitians, you know, and I have put your hand up in the air, maintained my certified diabetes educator licensure, you know, maintaining a pretty loud voice in the keto space. And I spoke last year, you know, um, in goodness. I'm like, where was I? Alabama? I don't even remember now, but somewhere in the South, um, for their, um, AADE, their American Association of Diabetic Educators um, conference, and I, Mississippi. I got okay. it. I was going to say, was it Louisiana? No. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Guess again. <laughs> there, you know, and and it it was about the microbiome. It was about ketones to manage blood sugar regulation and all of the things that I do. And so I think things are happening. But there still is just some miscommunication in in the wellness space, I think, both from the anti-animal consumption camp, right? So, or we could call them vegetarians and vegans, but their polarity and aggression against animal consumption, there's that space in the wellness field, which we'll always have to make harmony with. And then there's the, I think, dietitians and nutrition professionals and medical practitioners that have the misunderstanding because of the misnomer or the concept of ketoacidosis and them thinking in their one 10 minute learning of anything that included the word ketosis was a medical state that can only be provoked in a type one diabetic that is not provided insulin in an insulin dependent diabetic. That's the only person that can really go into ketoacidosis, right? So, and you can go deeper into that in my past episodes. So I think that that's the confusion there, but I will say 
there is actually a CEU course through the CDR because I'm, I'm getting my credential recredentialed in May. So I'm getting all my little uh, points docked up. And it was called the Emerging Science of Carbohydrate Restriction and Nutritional Ketosis. And get this, Becky, I got to read this verbatim because I was like, oh, I took like a little silent clap for a moment. Um, it says, although type 2 diabetes is often described as a chronic progressive disease, emerging evidence indicates that sustained nutritional ketosis can reverse the disease. Um, that's huge. <laughs> And then it goes on to say there is growing interest in studying potential therapeutic effects of ketosis on cardiovascular diseases, cancer, and neurodegenerative diseases, including Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. There are even reasons certain athletes may benefit from nutritional ketosis and ketone supplements. This uh, CEU will cover debunking the longstanding dogma that high carbohydrate intake is required to perform optimally. Are you going to take that CEU? I mean, I think I would. Yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> you could also teach it, but <laughs> I need to get the credits anyway. But yeah, I was, I was pretty pumped about that. So I think there still is polarity. I, I want to say, you know, the camp of vegetarians and vegans that aren't into eating animal, they're going to always have a hard time with any paleo, whatever approach. And I think the medical field, the proof is in the keto pudding, the non, non-caloric sweetened keto pudding. Yes. <laughs> Okay. And before we get into a little bit more on just polarity kind of within the keto community, let's just give a little bit of love to our sponsor for today's episode, F-Bomb. Or how about a lot of love? Yeah. I love F-Bomb. Um, I just indulged in a couple packs over this 10-day detox as well. Um, F-Bomb started off with packets of high-quality fat, macadamia nut, and coconut base, as well as premium oils that can be enjoyed conveniently by all. And just this year, they have expanded their F-Bomb nut butters into jars, which makes for a fun way to, you know, open the fridge, grab a tablespoon at time of need, or mix that into your full-fat Greek yogurt, um, or your smoothie, or your fat-fueled coffee. And then on the go, we still have those packs, um, which are fantastic to balance out blood sugar levels and really satiate appetite when hunger strikes. I love to carry them with me at all times, especially having a toddler because nut butters and fats are a great way to balance, as I mentioned, blood sugar levels, but also energy and mood stability. So Stella is always hands on for a F-bomb nut butter pack. She probably has five or six a week. And then she's also obsessed with their pork sticks, which have a fantastic texture um, and flavor. And um, it's, you know, not dry out. It has a really moist, nice mouthfeel, um, really fantastic uh, profile of macros on their pork sticks. And then the Keto Crunch, I also appreciate. It's a cheese crisp that uses a microbial enzyme to form instead of cellulose and other additives. I think I saw Stella sorting through your haul of recent um, F-bombs and she was like sorting into flavors or something and, and picking out the macadamia coconut. Oh yeah. Yeah. She rotates her faves like all the time. So F-bomb was one of my book sponsors, uh, book tour sponsors. And so we had the macadamia chocolate um, on the road with us all the time. And so that became her favorite by default for a little bit. And um, now she likes the just macadamia and macadamia coconut. All right. So head on over to dropanfbomb.com slash Allie Miller RD to see all of Allie's favorite products and pantry staples and get a little discount on F-Bomb. Awesome. 
All right. So what about um, just polarity within the keto community? You alluded a little bit to this um, in terms of like the carnivore movement. So what's going on there? Yeah. I just continue to see um, in the space people saying like, oh, well, I hope to be able to get to carnivore level. Um, <laughs> like it's like a Nintendo game, you know, it's like, <laughs> Do, 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 do. And you're like just waiting to get there. And I think as I've discussed before, I think there's a lot of benefits of carnivore, especially the breaking up with non-caloric sweeteners and the getting your palate savory. As you guys know, I think meat heals. I think that a bone broth fast and um, resting the gut and you know eating things with no anti-nutrients is a great perspective and approach for a period of time. But ultimately, I'm team pro-phyto compounds. And, and I think, like I said earlier in today's episode, the like passive messaging that I get just from friends in the community, I think I had reduced my vegetable intake. I don't even think it was like a, a, a really targeted focus for me. Like I wasn't goal setting, but it just happened. And, um, I, I just am, am team phyto compound. So it'll be interesting to see. I hope that the carnivore approach, you know, stops dogging on vegetables in the sense that I think anti-nutrients, have a point, but I think it's kind of a muted point when we're talking about just the impact of ketones themselves driving mitohormesis, right? We talked about how ketones and the production of ketones stresses the mitochondria to make the enzymes more efficient to produce energy more efficiently. This is the same mechanism of action of curcuminoids and turmeric enhancing, you know, endogenous glutathione stores in the liver. And so I think the anti-nutrient element is something to consider with someone with inflammatory bowel disease or really severe state of leaky gut. And then you support your gut integrity and you get the phyto compounds because guys, we're living in a dirty world. We need these compounds to support the detox process um, because we haven't evolved via our liver and kidneys to take on all of the billions of pounds of petrochemicals, volatile organic compounds, and so much more that are in our dirty industrialized society. So I hope that there's peace in there. And, and, and again, I don't overtly dog carnivore, but I, I'm you know hoping that there's some, some peace within that puzzle. And I'm hoping that for 2020, we start to take this like food as medicine keto. And like we continue to push forward the marriage of also paleo and keto, right? Because that's been its own uh, fight, I think also in this last three years of, of keto's growth. Totally. And, and, you know, for that individual who's like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to get to carnivore or that's the next level. It's like, you got to ask yourself why that's, why that's the biggest like bottom line that we have to come back to of like, why are you doing this? Is it for, you know, a, a six to eight week healing period because you have severe dysbiosis? Okay. Check like that could work, but if it's just because <laughs> to kill what's right, overgrowing. Exactly. So we end up using berberine and oil of oregano and things like that. So, hey. <laughs> like acid, right? Uh-huh. Like things are coming from plants, just saying. Yep. 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 And, and, you know, I'll take, I'll take a little step in the game of, of, um, creating dynamics within the keto space in the sense that, I'm very overtly anti non-caloric sweeteners and I know it's super difficult. There's so many companies out there that I believe really are formed with awesome intention and purpose and are doing cool things, but I can't put my name associated with them. I can't get in bed with them per se or whatnot. (laughs) Um, Brands, bloggers, authors, when that's a huge part of their content or an integral component of all their recipes is half cups and full cups of 
now the new allulose or was it, you know, monk fruit or was it erythritol or, or they're just going to keep changing their face or their veil, but they're, I think, going to be present. And, and that's the only thing I'm, I'm hoping that I'm not breaking friendships, you know, and those types of things within the space. I want it to be a harmonious place, but I just feel like it doesn't belong. I just, I just do. I'm sorry. Totally. And I think there's a way to still be respectful and, and to, you know, have them send you products that are not <laughs> sweetened with that crap or, um, you know, allowing that little bit of, of divergence, um, of brands and bloggers. I don't think anyone dislikes you because of that, but who knows? <laughs> when I create essentially sustainability and diversity within that company then, right? Sure. It's like, well, why make them without that? Because there are going to be people that aren't going to crave sweet. And yes, it could be a stepping stool, but this is not going to be a sustainable way to do this. Totally. Totally. I was just hearing a, an ad on a podcast for a cereal company that like makes all your favorite cereals from when you were a child that tastes like they're sweetened with tons of sugar, but not I'm like, that sounds disgusting. And like, if you're still in the world of craving that there's a lot of work to do in terms of cleaning up the diet. I couldn't agree more. Okay. So shall we transition to a little bit of rapid fire? Yes. Okay. Let's do it. So, um, I just want to cover kind of anything that's, that's hanging on keto. Um, let's just take a couple of minutes, um, to continue to plug our, our 12 week program here as we're wrapping up the episode. Um, any other points to make on our program and how it's unique? Um, I, I think the big thing is just the, again, direct access to labs, empowerment, and actual conversation education about the why and, and uh, understanding mechanisms of action on a more high-level functional medicine approach. We do discuss things like carnivore in a positive way as well, again, right? Like how you could incorporate it, length of time we would suggest doing it, what things to look for as if it's working for your body or not in an you know, objective way. Uh, we do empower you with tools of doing a bone broth fast, um, all of the elements of working with these levers of carbs, fat, and protein, and what you might need to ramp up, what you might need to pull down. We uh, talk about food sensitivity and leaky gut. We provide you access to the MRT inflammatory food panel, uh, empower you with the probiotic challenge. We do, of course, a lot of HPA axis work with adrenals and stress and how hormones could be interfering with your metabolic goals. Um, how about Becky, you want to jive a little bit on just like logistics of the class, how people access it. So we said, of course, this year is going to be Wednesday, um, over the lunch hour. Um, we'll put all the direct details. I didn't put up the time, but like I said, it's going to be a 90 minute block over the lunch hour, central standard time. And, um, as Becky said, if you miss the class, it will be uploaded pretty much within an hour of the live. So you, the biggest recommendation I make is that you calendar schedule when you're going to watch it if you cannot make the live and then you engage with our Facebook support group to have that still sense of community, but then you're following real time. So it could even be like Saturday morning, you know, you do dadder day where your husband watches the kids or whatnot, and you go and you go to your local coffee shop and you get a green tea and you sit and you watch the class. And that's just like your me time or, you know, Thursday evening, whatever. Totally. And so when you purchase the class, you automatically receive access to the virtual classroom, which right now, because the class isn't live yet, it's empty, but you can get an idea of like what that will look like. And the classroom will be broken down in terms of weekly handouts or, or bi-weekly handouts. So there's handouts for class one, class two, class 
three through six. There's also some introductory handouts that you'll have access to right away when you purchase the class and you want to download those and get up to speed um, in terms of like a grocery list and kind of getting a sneak peek of what the program is all about. And then every other week we host the live class on Zoom. So like Allie said, if you can make it, you'll get an individual Zoom link sent out to you and be able to access through that or in your classroom. That's where the videos will populate and you'll be able to watch or even rewatch those videos as many times as you want during the duration of the class. And let's just jive a little bit on the protocol. Like, so, and we give the protocol with the introduction materials, I believe not class one anymore. Um, and so the protocol is really fantastic because it does provide you kind of three tiers of approaches as far as an entry point of establishing balance within your macronutrients. So there is the uh, heal, maintain, and gain, which is like if you're dealing with autoimmune disease flare, if you're looking for weight gain, if you're looking to like get your period back and you've been low body fat or things like that, that'd be in that tier. Then there's the steady and sustain, which means um, still seeing some body fat loss um, and, you know, more um, of a moderate paste, I would say. And then there is the, is it called fast track, I believe? Fast track, yep. And then the fast track is going to be, you know, a little bit more dynamic. You have to have over 30 pounds of weight loss to qualify to be in the fast track to get into a higher level of restriction. Um, and that's going to be, of course, a little more of an aggressive protocol. So we have these tiers and we give you guides on, like I said, some of those lifestyle elements, body composition, uh, disease condition, or symptoms. For instance, if you want to be in the fast track and you are a marathon runner or you do high interval intensity training, like CrossFit, you have to put yourself down to the steady and sustain as far as your diet, because I'm not going to allow you to burn out your adrenals or your thyroid under my account. Totally. <laughs> we give you, you know, lifestyle variables of, okay, this is what you'd need to do to be in this tier. If you want to do that lifestyle change, then you would be in this tier. And this is why. Yeah. And it's a pretty extensive protocol. I think it's a good 14 or 15 pages because we can't be short on anything. It's it's very detailed and allows you to calculate your own macros, kind of find where you fit and, and find what would be most appropriate. Um, and then there's suggestions even within that protocol of, okay, so you're doing HIIT training, but you have no other stressors in your life and you're sleeping perfectly and this and that. So you can kind of trade in maybe the calm and clear supplement or the adaptogen boost to kind of bubble wrap your adrenal so you don't burn out. Um, and we give some of those caveats within the protocol too. Absolutely. And it's really the best affordable access to Becky and my brain. Yeah, <laughs> it's less uh, than either of our initials and both of us have a wait list right now. Uh, less than either of our initial single consult and you get access to our entire clinic of labs. You get our brain in the sense of on the, um, during the live webinars, you're able to ask questions and Becky's the only moderator directly answering your questions. I'm answering them live. And then also through the, again, Facebook group, we are really kind of on top of, and we'll do one more clean as we're getting into the end of December of kind of repoking and stimulating activity over there. Um, but that's another great way that, that actually all the kind of members within the community will help support you, but also we can directly answer any questions, issues, limitations. So best way to get started with anything clinic naturally nourished is the 12 week food is medicine, virtual ketosis class. And just for accountability, as we go into rapid fire, I am going to announce that January 6th, that's that Monday of the first week of January, that evening at, um, 
I believe seven central uh, standard time. Don't mark me to the time, but that evening is when I will do the free um, first level ketosis class. And then, you know, the, the program is going to launch on the eighth, but make sure you grab your spot because one, once 150 spots fill, it's sold out. Okay. So once this episode, before this episode airs, we'll have the link and everything to register for that free webinar on January 6th. I like that. We've got it nailed down. Um, all right. So let's get to it. A little bit of rapid fire here, starting with exogenous ketones. Yes. So I think there's a place for them. I think that there is not a place for them in the weight loss space. I think that your body needs to do the work. If you have metabolic handicap, I think the best space for exogenous ketone use is in uh, neurological conditions and in cognitive um, areas of concern. So that's where I would consider some of those formulations for like an aging parent. Uh, but I think generally speaking for the majority of the population, I like you to biochemically make ketones and I don't want you to get that exogenous ketone ketone to hinder the process. Okay. Ketone testing. Testing ketones is a great way to get some objective data and know if you're quote unquote in, <laughs> in keto or out. Um, you know, there's varied forms there. Uh, my, my two favorites, and I think those that have kind of stood the test of time are um, urine strips uh, and blood test. Blood test would be the top favorite, of course, for accuracy. It is a little bit more costly, significantly more costly than urine strips, um, but it is going to be accurate. Now, this is showing us, though, what's circulating through your blood, and it may be influenced, varied based on what your cells are actually using. So ketone levels over time, as your fat adapted, would be expected to come down to almost potentially zero. Um, but testing ketones in the blood can be a great way to uh, use as an assessment during carb cycling, or if you're looking to really establish your metabolic flexibility of you know what you can eat and still be in that hybridized state. Urine strips are a great entry point. Like I said, significantly cheaper, but they're just testing a solute. So your hydration status will vary that, as well as, of course, dehydration, time of the day that you're testing. And over time, you'll stop, stop spilling ketones in your urine as well when you get fat adapted. So you can start to see false negatives there. Okay. And I will link the Keto Mojo that Allie and I both use and the urine strips we recommend in today's show notes. Perfect. All right. How about keto flu? Is it a real thing? <laughs> yeah, so it totally is. Um, often it's coming from the electrolyte shifts that are in the body. As I mentioned before, when carbohydrates dynamically come down, especially if you're coming from like 300 down to less than 30, uh, there's going to be a dynamic water fluctuation in the body. And um, also that will influence your electrolytes. So we really are looking at magnesium, potassium, and sodium as some of the big drivers and influencers. And these can drive things like muscle cramps, uh, calcium as well, um, muscle cramps, we can deal with headaches, um, body temperature dysregulation. The big thing I recommend, we give you a whole protocol for coping with keto flu, um, but to support your electrolytes, we use food as medicine approaches like half an avocado with Redmond Real Salt. Um, we also... Uh, encourage highly to not start intermittent fasting at the same time of jumping into keto so that you don't deal with the calorie restriction and the hunger. You allow your body to be fed in the state of nutritional ketosis transition. And then once your body starts to learn to use the fat as fuel, then we start to kind of pull in the calorie control as well. Biggest frustration in the keto movement. Oh, I think just like mudslinging in, in the sense of, again, like kind of what doesn't belong and what does and doctrine, rules, keto police, non-clerk sweeteners. Yep. <laughs> All the things we already talked about. Um, keto acidosis. 
So this is a medical state that can occur, as I mentioned before, only in a type 1 diabetic or an insulin-dependent individual. Um, when they are not provided insulin, of course, glucose cannot get into their cells. Glucose levels go above 300 in this individual, which would never happen through carbohydrate restriction alone, of course. Um, and then in that excessive state, the body also starts to produce really a high, high amount of ketones, those which would not be able to be produced through just mere carbohydrate restriction. And that is when there is a pH change in the blood that is more dynamic than mere nutritional ketosis. And that is when we can see issues with kidney health, bone health, and the complications that could even drive seizure activity or potential death. Um, but that is, again, only an individual that is dependent on insulin and is not getting their insulin. Biggest personal impact of being in a state of ketosis? I think mental health, uh, feeling grounded, less anxiety, and food freedom. Awesome. And finally, greatest success story. Well, damn it. Um, <laughs> so many. There's so many. I'm trying to think of like the greatest. I mean, I've seen people get off of three to five medications per person. Um, you know, I'm talking about blood pressure regulating drugs. I'm talking about mood stabilizing medications. I'm talking about, of course, diabetic drugs like metformin. I've seen people get off of completely their insulin um, that are type two diabetics, of course. Um, I've seen individuals lose in my time of using keto over 150 pounds. Um, I have seen an enhanced confidence, connection with their family, uh, you know, just a whole renewed state of being. And, and maybe perhaps my favorite testimonial to date is still feeling like myself again. Um, because that's the one that I think is the, the way to best relate is, is really feeling at peace, um, and feeling optimized, like your body is functioning the way it was meant to be and not accepting all of the aches and pains and swelling and yuck as just quote unquote aging or norm. So let's stop normalizing chronic illness and let's start normalizing keto. I love it. I think that's a good place for us to wrap up today's hour and 15 long episode. Um, so if you'll go over and get your spot, sorry. So go over to AllieMillerRD.com, get your spot in our 12 week keto class, and um, we will see you in just a couple weeks. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.